So glad to be back. My name is Ryan Nixon and uh, on the staff team here. And I was actually out of town last week. And I want you to know, uh, while I was gone, uh, prayed for you guys. I prayed for our leaders uh, and just loved them. Prayed for y'all that, that God would just work mightily. And uh, one of the things, as I came back, I was like, man, it, it's, it's, I love being home. I feel like this is kind of a welcome home. And I told our leaders that, that this place feels like home. And one of the things when you're home and you're with family uh, is, is that you celebrate people. And so uh, today is, is someone's birthday. A part of our kind of leadership family team is Michelle Dishman in here. Stand on up. Stand up, Michelle. Hey, and one of the things, one of the things, Michelle, stay, keep standing. One of the things uh, family gets to do is we get to sing to each other. Happy birthday. So I think it's 23, 24. Yeah. All right. Let's sing her happy birthday. It's Michelle. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Michelle. Happy birthday to you. Hopefully these next 15 minutes go better than my singing. Uh, my, my lovely bride over here, she is the one with the voice of an angel. I have my wife Callie over there. And I'll tell you what, we, we love having fun. Like I love doing that. I don't know if Michelle loves that. But we, my wife and I, we love having fun. And we've got two girls, or two girls, uh, almost five and three, and then uh, a baby boy, three months. And so we're kind of in that crazy sleep deprivation life right now. But last week I was with my family and having fun with cousins, 10 adults, nine kids, 19 in a house for a week. It was awesome. Loved being with them. And my wife and my sister put together these different activities throughout the week. And with each activity, there'd be a spiritual truth they'd teach uh, the cousins. And so one of them, uh, I was like, you know what? It's time. It's time for my summer buzz. And uh, so if you're here last or two weeks ago, I look a little different. And uh, I was like, it's time for a summer buzz. And so what we did right there, we had the activity of all these kids shaving my head. Um, and that was uh, great. So there are all the cousins uh, <laughs> cutting my hair. And the, and the truth was, hey, you know, God cares about you. He knows the hairs on your head. And so all of those that are scattered across Lake LBJ, he knows them all. Um, and one of the things, whenever I shave my head, you know, I've been doing this about four years uh, each summer, just I like it, it's just it's quick, it's easy, you're out of the shower, ready to go, is uh, I start noticing more and more gray hairs on my, on my head. And I'm like, hey, that, that, that salt's kind of coming through thicker and thicker. And something happened about a month ago that reminded me as well um, of my coming age and, and my fleeting youth. And so I, was at, I went to a yearly physical and one of the things that happened there is something that, you know, um, has not happened in my first kind of 36 years um, of life. And, and I left kind of really discouraged uh, because one of the things I prided myself in for the first kind of 35 years um, of life uh, was, was perfect vision, you know? And, and not only that, like I, I, had, I had better than perfect. You know, 2020 is perfect. I had 2015. And I remember when I was like 16 years old, you know, the, the eye doctor, whatever says, hey, you know, you have actually better than perfect vision and it's called pilot's vision. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, what 16 year old and what 36, 37 year old didn't want to hear that they've got pilot's vision. They still got a chance to, you know, be top gun and go do that. Um, but not anymore. No, no. About two years ago, I kind of barely read or read 2020. And then this year, I'm kind of like squinting. And I thought I kind of, I had this, 
you know, thought of, what if I go up before, read the letters, and then kind of come back so I'm ready to go, and so I can kind of gain my vision back, and I, and I didn't, and uh, it's kind of 20, 20, 25, 20, 30, and one of the things I realized is that, hey, pretty soon, um, you know, glasses are in my near future, and that even though, like, I haven't had to wear glasses, and some people do at an early age, but, you know, to, to work, to drive, to read, to do a lot of different things um, during these last 36 years of my life, one of the things I realized is that um, I've been wearing glasses every single day of my life. And you've been wearing glasses every single day of your life. And, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And what I mean by that is that you and I, every single day, we put on lenses that we look through that help us kind of, you know, understand the world around us, um, life, marriage, and our spouse. And so one of the things I just want to talk about is um, what does it mean for each of us as we put on these lenses to realize that those lenses have an effect on our perception and the way that we view our spouse their perception of truth. And in, and in that, these lenses have a direct correlation, not only to our perception, but also how we're going to respond to God, how we're going to respond to life, and how we're going to respond to our spouse um, because of the, the way that we are viewing what we're going through. And, and, you know, for all of us, like all of us in life, we have expectations, we have hopes, we have dreams. And, and whether you've been married for uh, four days or 40 years, those hopes and dreams, expectations have led, you know, within marriage to, to disappointment, um, to, you know, annoyances, frustrations, and, and maybe even significant hurts, pain, betrayal, and broken trust. And what we want to talk about is just, hey, those things really happen, um, but our view of those things kind of controls the outcome of what happens next. Because with each one of us, like we have annoying habits or maybe lack of good habits. And, and for me, one of the annoying habits that my wife has, has hated from day one is as I, as I, I bite my nails and I also chew on them and, and it is just annoys her. She's like, even the sound of that, like I can be across the room and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, you know, and sometimes there's frustration from a spouse. So, you know, one person's always, always late. The other person always wants to be early. Um, there's kind of maybe a, a view of money and, and maybe another spouse is always spending money. Um, or maybe it might be, hey, uh, your lack of involvement with our kids or another spouse's over obsession with their kids. You know, and sometimes it may even be, you know, how a spouse responded to you in the midst of tragedy. Um, or maybe their lack of response in the midst of tragedy. And then sometimes there even is uh, the poor decisions that we make in life, whether it be uh, people-pleasing, anger, or, or drugs, alcohol, pornography, which is part of my story, uh, or maybe in an affair. And in all of those, there's hurt, there's pain, uh, there's broken trust, and there's betrayal. And in, in, in the midst of all those things, although they, they might be real, the lens in which we choose to view our spouse with in marriage will determine whether those disappointments will lead to discouragement and even despair and possibly divorce, or those disappointments in life are going to lead to a better understanding of each other, to reconciliation and forgiveness extended, um, and then even a greater sense of oneness and intimacy. 
And so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at the three most common destructive lenses uh, that people uh, put on. And then we're going to talk about a better way that God's given us uh, to live with each other. And um, about a year ago, I, I got this book, and, and I'm not a big reader. My wife is. I'm not. So it takes me about a year to actually pick it up and start reading it. But this book uh, by Tim Kimmel called Gracefield Marriage. And I started reading that a couple months ago. And as I was reading, I was like, man, there's some really good stuff in here. And so these ideas, you know, come out of this book and uh, kind of these different destructive patterns that he's seen as he's studied marriages. But the first one I want to talk about tonight um, is this love if lens. And so actually what I did is I've kind of brought some different lenses with me up here, these different glasses. And the love if lens, it's a self-protecting lens. And so the ones that I bought, as I thought about, I was like, you know, these are just like sunglasses. You know, you put these on, you want to protect yourself from the UV rays. These are actually polarized. I'm sure they're the cheap kind, so they're actually, you know, crack-proof or something. The expensive ones always break on me. Um, and so these lenses, when we put these on, when you put on these self-protecting uh, love-if lenses, what you're doing is you're putting conditions on your marriage, kind of saying, hey, I will love you if you love me the way that I desire and deserve. It's kind of this scorekeeping type of, of love that just says, hey, I'm kind of playing the field saying, hey, how are you doing at loving me? And if you love me the right way, I'm going to love you in return. And in marriage, this often looks like, hey, I'll love you if, or I'll love you when you start speaking to me kindly, or you stop criticizing me. Then I'll love you the way you want to be loved. You know, I'll love you, I'll respect you, and become more responsible with the important things in life. Um, I'll, I'll love you uh, when you are more interested in me than you are with work or your hobbies or your friends. You know, if you're more engaged with the kids. You know, and many times it kind of looks like, hey, I, I'm going to withhold love from you, uh, whether that be friendship or respect, sexual or emotional intimacy, until you love me, fill in the blank. And the reality is the reason, you know, a lot of times people will put on this self-protective lens, you know, may be because of legitimate reasons. But those legitimate reasons need to be discussed. We need to talk about them. We need to work through them so we can understand how we move past them and how we grow to be at a better place. And also, you guys, God calls us to a different way to live. Uh, I love this. As we look at God's love towards us in Psalm uh, 103, verse 10, it says, he, being God, does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And God calls us and says, hey, you are to follow Christ. You are to love me like I love you. Um, and, and you know, we can love in this way because of the way God first loved us. The second destructive lens is what he calls the pious lens. And this lens is a self-righteous lens. And so as I thought about it, I thought about kind of that, that teacher, you know, in class, that older teacher who always just kind of looked down on you with her reading glasses. And there's almost in like condescending way, like, oh, little, little Ryan, you know, who still can't read well, um, still, still can't read well. Um, you know, just had this condescending, judgmental, I'm better than you, I'm smarter than you. And many times people will put this lens on and say, hey, like, you know, I can't love you because what you're doing is just wrong. It's, you know, it's just, it's silly. You know, why don't you just stop doing those things? And also with this pious lens, and really sometimes the most sinister aspect of this pious lens is when it's tied to someone's, um, their own understanding of God's word. 
And this is really the most sinister type of this pious lens is because people can say, hey, I'm going to take, take God's word and my understanding in God's word and I'm going to use it so that I don't have to love you and care for you the way that you, know, you maybe feel like you should be loved because I can even chapter and verse why things should be going the way they should be going. And someone who is self-righteous and, and that, that, that's my bent, it can be the hardest person to you know, help them see in the midst of their own self-righteous and pridefulness. Uh, because, you know, we can even go back. We know God's word. And we can say, hey, no, no, this, this is why I should be doing it this way. Um, and I know for Callie and I, I remember when we first got married and we're living in a 900, you know, square foot little back house. And so we were together all the time. And one of the things first started noticing on, and both of us kind of noticed these differences, and, and in mine turned to being judgmental of hers, we noticed we approach God and spend time with God differently. And for me, I like to get up earlier at 5, you know, 30, 6 o'clock, got a pot of coffee, and I'm just going to, you know, read for, you know, read and pray. And I don't really journal, but, you know, like the idea of it, you know, for 30 minutes or an hour. And my wife you know, she's going she's gonna to get a little later. She likes her sleep a little bit more. And she's going to get a little later. And she, she's going to read a psalm. She's going to listen to some worship music. And she's going to go sit outside. And what would happen is I would, I would be judging her because of the way she approached God. I was like, you know, are you, are you even spending time? Do you, like, do you know Jesus? And, and, and that, was, that was my bad. You know, and one of the things I realized as life went on is, hey, we approach God and we relate with God differently. And that's a good thing. Because there's different things that stir our own affections for Jesus, just like there's different things that stir our affections for each other. And what does it look like for us to understand those things? And for other people, this might look like, you know, in y'all's lives, just being harsh or critical to your spouse, judging them because they do things differently than you do them. You know, those condescending uh, and criticizing comments, sometimes, you know, just to them or sometimes with others where you're just kind of, you know, knocking the wind out of your spouse's sails. And then, like I said, you know, using God's word to bring shame or guilt on the other person so that you can control the way that they're going to live. And, and, you know, Jesus was the most, um, I guess, fierce in the midst of his righteous anger towards people like this, towards the Pharisees and saying, hey, this is not the way we are to live. Because you guys are hearers of the word, but you're not doers of the word. And that's what God calls us to in living differently. It says in James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And the third destructive lens um, is the me lens. And this me lens, um, I, I had to be a little creative on this one, but as I thought about it, I was like, I thought about aviators. You know, and, and the only problem is they don't make aviators uh, that actually have the reflection on the other side. And so just work with me on this one. You know, but it's, but it's like someone who's wearing aviators, but they're wearing them the other way. To where as they're looking through these lenses, as they're looking through these glasses, what they see is the reflection of themselves. And so this, this me lens is very self-absorbed. And so what that a lot of times looks like is them always wondering, hey, how is this affecting me? How is what's happened? How is what you're doing affecting me right now? And you know what? This is the, this is the lens uh, that is probably the most uh, nature over nurture lens that all of us grab. Uh, because if any of you have kids, you know, whether they're now, they're, they're 20 and they're out of the house and you're loving life as an empty nester, that's right, Raul and Susan. Um, or you've got, you know, little ones and you're still waking up every two hours, you know, with nursing. 
You know, when, when a baby is born, and we've experienced with all three of ours, like they start crying really quickly. And what that cry is saying is saying, hey, I'm hungry. I'm tired. So I need my bottom wiped. I need you to hug me. And as they grow up, that I turns into me. Hey, what about me? And then that turns really quickly into mine. No, no, that's mine. This is mine. Our, you know, our daughters is like, no, this is mine. They're fighting back and forth. And that goes on into teenage years. And the reality is, even though, you know, 37 years old and, you know, it might be however old you are, that doesn't really change. You know, we, we still in ways kind of put on these me lenses and thinking, hey, how does this affect me? And in marriage, a lot of times what this will look like um, is you don't understand how I've been hurt. I've been mistreated. I've been shortchanged by you and by others. Um, How does this affect my needs, my time, my money, my kids, my plans, my dreams, my future? And maybe even, hey, this this isn't fair. Like the cards that I was dealt, you know, in life, just aren't right. And we, we feel justified in our self-absorption. But God calls us to live differently. You know, as we even look at Christ, you know, we recognize that he came um, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And one of my favorite passages of scripture is Philippians 2, 3, and 4. And it says, you know, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility value others above yourself, not looking out for your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And it goes on and talks about how Christ did that for us and what he did on the cross. And so as we look at these, these different destructive lenses and how all of us, and these aren't, this isn't comprehensive, there's other lenses that we can put on, but these affect the way that we view our spouse and these really affect the way how we respond to them. And God wants us to know, hey, there, there is a better way for us to live in marriage and us to live with each other. And that's the lens of grace. And as I thought about, hey, what, what kind of lens, what kind of glasses can I grab to kind of share about the lens of grace? Um, you know, I think for me, one of the things I first thought about, and I thought what grace looked like early on in life towards other people is me just kind of turning like this blind eye, just saying, hey, I just, I'll just pretend like What's going on isn't there, and I'll be kind to you, and I'll love you, and I'll just pretend like it doesn't happen. But that's not reality of what grace is. And it's got these um, just clear glasses, you know, no magnification, no shade, no nothing, just clear glasses that says, no, I, what grace does is it sees the reality of life. It sees the reality of life, and it says, I'm going to choose to treat you with kindness. I'm going to choose to treat you in love, even though you don't deserve it. And guys, this is how God views us. God is all-knowing, and He sees us for who we are. He recognizes that we are broken people who are, are hurting ourselves or hurting other people. But even while you were yet sinners, even while you were enemies of God, Christ died for you. God loved you even while you were stuck in your sin. And so with this, with this grace lens, one of the things God's saying, hey, I want you to put these lenses on, the same lenses that I used to view you, as you're trying to figure out how are you going to love your spouse, even in the midst of brokenness, even in the midst of betrayal, even in the midst of you know, pornography addiction, or an affair, or just people pleasing, or, or biting fingernails. 
right? What does it look like to be gracious towards each other in the midst of those things? Because this is the way, this is what it should look like in marriage. This is the way God calls us to love each other. Um, he says, hey, it's, it's viewing our spouse and loving our spouse in the same way God views us and loves us. And how does God love us? Look at 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hope all, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And God is saying, hey, I want you to love like this because this is how I loved you. But there's a catch. You know, the, the, the way that the re-engaged curriculum, if you've already gotten that orange book, you know, falls into place is because, hey, the, those first eight chapters, that's the truth of the gospel. And one of the things we realize is that God calls us to this perfect love, but we can't love our spouse the way that God loves us and the way that God calls us to love our spouse because we're broken. We are broken people. And for us to be able to love our spouse the way we should and to put on the lenses of grace the way God desires us to, we first have to receive grace from him. And so he wants us to love this way, but the reality is by, by nature, we are selfish people. That me lens is always on us. And, and I love this passage of scripture and it just kind of talks about this. And it just says, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Hey, and you were dead in your sin. You were dead in your trespasses, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan. And it said, Among we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body, and we by nature were children of wrath. That's, that's who we are coming into this world apart from Jesus. We, we can't put on the lens of grace apart from first receiving this lens of grace from him. And so how do we receive grace? How do we able to love like this? It says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It says, and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. And so this question is, okay, like, so how am I, how am I going to be saved? How am I going to receive this grace? And it goes on and says, hey, it is by grace you've been saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, it's not by you trying to earn your way up to God and do enough good, but it's you recognizing that, that you are a sinner, that you've made mistakes, and that you are in need of God's grace and mercy. And how do we receive that grace and mercy? Just like we, we recognize, we believe that we're sinners. And then we believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. That Christ lived the perfect life, the life we could not live. He, he died on the cross. He experienced the wrath of God, the death that we deserve. And then he rose from the grave, conquering death, so that we might be able to live a new way of life. So we might be able to put on the lenses of grace so that we could love others and experience this life in the way that he desires us to experience it. And so if you are in this room um, and you are someone who said, hey, I have not put my faith and trust in Jesus. 
I want you to know that as you walk through re-engage, like the, the source of our joy, the source of our hope, the source of restoration we believe is in Jesus Christ. And it's because of the gospel. And so the first thing you have to do is, is ask the question, hey, what am I going to do with Jesus? Am I willing to accept him as my Lord and Savior? Because until then, you, you, you can have a better marriage, but you won't experience the marriage God desires for you, you know, unless you're looking through the lens of grace that he desires for you. And, and if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, the thing that he is calling you to do is that just in the same way that you put on the lens of grace at salvation, we have to continue to walk in grace and depend on grace every single day to love each other well. That never stops. We are always in need to walk by faith through his grace every single day. And so guys, I want you all to know that there is hope. There is hope to love each other the way 1 Corinthians 13 calls us to love. And the way we do it is by not looking at our spouse's problems um, and not looking at them as our solution, but looking to Jesus, who is the one who can offer us hope and offer us a new lens in which we can view this world and view each other. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you so much for my friends who are in this room, and I thank you for the opportunity to be reminded of this truth. This is truth that I need to be reminded of. Lord, so many times I pick up different lenses and want to view my sweet bride in a way that you've called me not to view her. And so I pray that you would help me to put on the lens of grace daily, that I'd take off my old self and I'd put on a new self and respond to her in a way that is kind, that is patient, that is loving, that is gentle. Um, and that we would be able to grow in oneness and intimacy with each other through doing that. Lord, thank you for his son, through your son, and thank you for the gospel, and that in him we have life. Amen. All right, thank you guys.